Welcome to another episode of Love Pod, Love Rockets podcast. I'm Rachel, and as per usual, I'm joined by Ian. Hi, Ian. Hi, Rachel. How's it going? Not too bad. It's a pretty good day today. I got my chimney fixed, which is nice. I got my car back, and life is good. Oh, good. Two two wins. Two wins. We'll take it. And you know what another win is? What's another win? Today, we are joined by Tom Stewart. Hi, Tom. Hello, I'm Tom Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I feel like that was, a very, that was a very NPR entrance of you. That was. <laughs> I'm going to try really hard not to cough on the podcast because, you know, people aren't here for the coughing content. No coughing <laughs> is taboo now in society. I know, but even if I'm in the seclusion of my own home, it still feels bad. (laughs) All right. Well, today we are continuing on in our Cultivate series. We are getting toward the end. We have done love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And today we have arrived at faithfulness. It's been a long journey. How are you feeling about it, either one of you? Uh, I will say, I have loved the analogies between the fruit salad and then evolving to the fruit smoothie. Uh, I'm I'm here for the for the fruit analogies. Awesome. Plus, I also love smoothies and fruit salad, so both of those are. Clutch. You are and very just, pro fruit dessert. I'm I'm pro fruit in general. So here's the thing: I hate vegetables. As a general <laughs> rule, you grow but, so many though. Uh, I like the vegetables I grow because you can you can dress up a tomato and a, a cucumber in a way that is palatable to me. Mm. But like my pear tree this year just popped off, and I think it was because I pruned <laughs> it at the right time. And I got so many pears tree every day for like a month, and it was amazing. Oh my gosh! So that sounds wonderful to me. And the mulberry oh, tree in the back. That? produced a little bit i had like a mulberry snack one day so see now your pear tree uh that sounds great idyllic also great to me because i like pears however recently someone has come on the podcast uh to state a very harsh opinion on pears he may or may not have called them god's one mistake (laughs) (laughs) well that would obviously be mosquitoes so that person is just mistaken but and i (laughs) I'm I'm not usually very pro pear, but the pears that grew on my tree, I was for. Well, you felt so, like you like owned an orchard. You're like these pears are mine. Yeah, they're my pears. That, my land yeah, get... grew these pears. <laughs> yes, yes, I do think it is very, and this probably goes back to what we're going to talk about fruit too. It just it's really interesting how God has engineered the world in a way that the land just naturally produces fruit. Like this tree was already planted when I bought the house. And I've yeah. done nothing to it but cut off its branches sometimes when it gets kind of like scraggly. And yet it produces things that are delicious and soft and juicy. And edible. Yeah. Yes. And really like wild. provide nourishment. Like I got nourishment into my body from my backyard somehow. Like that's crazy. With that is crazy. almost no effort on my part. That is, that is, that's crazy. Turns out the Lord knows what he's doing. Yeah. This is fruit. <laughs> fruit. <It's> amazing. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Very pro fruit. <laughs> um, that's great. So like Thomas said, we've talked about the fruit of the spirit as a fruit salad. We've talked about it as a smoothie because as we've talked about, it's not fruits separate of the spirit as each one of these things is like a separate thing and you can kind of pick and choose which one you'd like. 
and which one's easy or which ones maybe uh, you prefer. But instead, it's a whole mishmash of the entire thing together. Mm-hmm. And it's a, kind of a way that Paul is explaining that people will know that we are God's people, that we are spending time with him and the spirit. And he's saying, stop arguing about all these other things and instead focus on these very difficult things that I'm going to list out for you and that we have come to define (laughs) only by the dictionary on this podcast. (laughs) So that being said, what is a good definition for faithfulness? Okay. I've not looked at a dictionary, so uh, this could be way off, but I feel like, I think I've heard, maybe you say this before, Rachel. I feel like faithfulness is just long obedience in the same direction. Mm -hmm. I stole that from Eugene Peterson. Mm, okay, thank you, Eugene Peterson. I think that's great. Wait, is that the message guy? Yeah. Oh, good job, Eugene Peterson. Mm. Yeah, long obedience in the same direction. That's what I would say. I like it. I like his definition. What does that mean? Mm. Uh, it means uh, consistency over a long duration. It means a uh lifestyle aimed at Jesus seeking as you grow more to act in that way. It's like a commitment to your morals. Mm. Which as an Enneagram one, I feel like I have a strong commitment to my morals and my uh my worldviews. Well guess what Ian? Welcome to the Enneagram One podcast because Woo! you're outnumbered. I I am a two. I'm an Enneagram two. <laughs> But you know what? I love you as ones, and I wish to help you. <laughs> I wish to help you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I wish think... To flip a table. You want to flip a table with us? <laughs> I would love to flip a table with you. <laughs> That's all we're ready to do. Uh, yeah, I think that that hits on a lot of, like, uh, key points, too, that we're going to talk about hopefully later. Um, Ian, what are you thinking definition for faithfulness? Yeah, I when I hear faithfulness, I just think like consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of like having like the dedication, having the obedience, the mindset of just like repeatedly like following through. Um, whether that's with God, you know, whether that's you know having faith that your chair won't break when you sit in it. Um, just like that consistency of like repeated action, repeated belief. So where do we think we hear faithfulness the most in like culture today? Do we feel like it's something that most people would know what it means? Is it kind of like an an old timey idea? What are we thinking? I think you probably hear it most in like terms of relationships. Like that person was faithful mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is kind of like a like a really very superficial definition of faithfulness i think because like it's really not very difficult to just not cheat on the person you're with like that that should not be like a a carry mark of a a high character person like that's just like basic humanity no but it happens people are bad at it i think yeah yeah but i guess that's why it's a thing yeah yeah that's what I was thinking too. I think that's when the most it's talked about is like, yeah, in terms of like relationship to one another. Um, in some versions, in as the fruit is being listed out, it's called forbearance. Or hmm. as Ian one time inappropriately said, forbearance. <laughs> <laughs> my pronunciation as on the podcast isn't great you know we're living we're learning we're growing we're changing <laughs> i mean it's one of those things too that it's a word that you don't hear spoken very much like i'm never gonna talk and say the word forbearance and like casually in a sentence yeah true I realized <laughs> today i was like i don't know how to spell chimney i need to look up how to spell chimney that's not a word i use every day yeah it's like especially when you only see words in writing yes. and you never hear them spoken. It's like we can forbear someone's shortcomings for not hearing or 
the word forbearance often. So did there. Right. So forbearance. Uh, I don't understand, and this is kind of an open question. Maybe there's not a good answer to it, but I don't understand why those are used interchangeably because they kind of don't have the same. I don't know. It doesn't have the same vibe to me, but let me read a definition and we can see what we think. One second. Forbearance. Okay. Patient self-control, restraint, or tolerance. Do we feel like that's the same? I do not. I don't feel like it. So I'm going to one of my favorite Bible resources as a Bible nerd who doesn't speak any Greek or Hebrew, there is a resource uh, Bible hub called the Interlinear Bible, where it's in its original language. And you click on the original language word, and that shows you every other place it's translated. And right. and so as a person who doesn't speak Greek or Hebrew, I can see at least what people who do Greek, speak Greek and Hebrew uh, translate the word as when they see that word. So let me find it before. Give me a, Give me a moment. Ian, when you were trying to spell chimney, did you sing the song from Mary Poppins? I did not. I did not remember the song. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chiru. I feel like the chimney in that could help you spell it. Oh. Do you feel like that would have been helpful? Probably. Oh, okay. I have too many smart devices, so I just add my <laughs> echo. To... Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> okay. I reference Mary Poppins. You reference a smart device. <laughs> People are different. All right, Tom's ready. Okay, this is actually very interesting. Not, I mean, not not that interesting. It's very clear. The word one hundred percent of the time that is translated is faith, as in like in the in the book of Matthew, uh, "Take courage, your faith has made you well," or uh, "Woman, your faith is great," or uh, "Go in." Let's see. Uh, you will doubt. Where is your faith? Um, so it's like literally faith everywhere it's like being filled with faith as in like belief not necessarily so it's, yeah the angle is a belief angle more than a consistency angle but i'm sure that there's a connection between those two hmm, hmm that, i need to take a long walk and think about that that's interesting well and also like language is imperfect so hmm. i bet it's one of those things where it's like Along the way, something weird happened where, like, in some ways it meant more of that, like, abiding, staying. And in some ways it meant more of the, like, belief mm-hmm. thing. So, like, the people who are, you know, translating in different versions or whatever. I bet that's what happened. Language yeah. is a tricky business. It doesn't follow a lot of rules. No. Yeah, see, I think this is actually an example of where the English word faith or faithfulness has that dual meaning that is like you said inviting and enduring or consistent mm-hmm. and then on the other hand it's like what you believe or like your i guess and then i'm sure there is a connection it's like the example i always just want to talk about translations is uh esperar in, in spanish which is the hope to wait and to expect in english so those three words if you're going to translate someone from spanish who wrote the word esperar you need to think about which one they're thinking of are they thinking of hoping waiting or expecting and there's something connected between those three words but something also unique and different so i'm curious hmm i need to take a long walk on this what the connection is between well really the question is what's biblical faith when the bible uses the word faith what does it mean yeah what does it mean yeah i i yeah that's that's the the question (laughs) we've waded into deep waters well, this is actually where the conversation is going naturally, so we can just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like this is like a moment, like when I was in, uh, when I was like six years old, I was uh, on my great uncle's dock, and I was like looking at catfish in the water. I like tripped and fell in the water. I thought like that's what just happened here. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about uh, being and people that you can count on. And then I was stumbled into, oh, what is biblical faith? That's a, that's a deeper actually... conversation than I expected to have. Yeah. Which is, I think, like, like actually kind of the harder part, which is what you said. Like, uh, I think that, yeah, when we think about faithfulness, it's like the, how do we just stick to something? 
and we're pretty mm. good at like stick to Like I think we're kind of bred to understand that like we shouldn't be quitters and we shouldn't yeah. uh, bail on things, and that like uh, like loyalty is heavily rewarded. Because mm-hmm. I think that I think part of it is like you know survival. Like we need each other, so we are rewarded by each other for showing those things. But I think like the harder thing is the belief that backs up that stick to Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So I think even with like our relationship with God, like believing something over a long period of time, like is challenging and it requires us to kind of uh, touch base a lot, I think, and like evaluate the, the depth of that belief or the, the, the gen, like the, the what's the word like the the pureness of it that yeah. like maybe connected us to it in the first place yeah i, I think even when i look at these examples of where the word faith is used in the bible they all have like some action that's attached to them like this is all an example of jesus talking about how someone's faith has made them well it's like the mm. evidence of what they believe lived out in their life mm-hmm. i thought that that's the connection it's like where what what you think drives what you do which drives what you think it's like there's like a a dualism there with with thinking and doing that's both both sides of that coin are captured by the word faith yeah mm-hmm. so that's kind of a good segue too in thinking about like what makes faithfulness important enough to be included in this list of things that paul writes I feel like it goes to how the Bible defines faith. I thought of Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is one of my favorite verses, but faith is the assurance of things hoped for and fiction of things not seen. Like, it's fundamental that, you know, we trust in God, and that's the faith that we have. It's that trust in God is the foundation, which everything in life is worth living. Everything in life is worth understanding. Um, our faith allows us to have a handle on the things that we can't see or maybe can't control. And when we live out our faith or act in faith, that's what distinguishes us apart from the world. Um, God repeatedly calls his people to be faithful and obedient to him, um, to be consistent with him, to follow him, to trust him. And that's like the marker that God has used to say this, these are my people. You see them by their faithfulness. I kind of wonder too, like Paul's writing to, you know, a group of people, like we said, like as a way to indicate that like you are, you are like Yahweh's people. You are like God's people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, I was at a time where people were arguing about a lot of different things. And I think that like, uh, uh, probably more so now, but even then, like the, the like, the I don't even know how to say it. Like the how quickly tides would turn, and like one belief would be kind of like in the in the zeitgeist, or would be like the popular belief of the day. Mm. Yeah, and then the you know the winds would change, and then it would there be another uh, belief uh, that would like crop up, and people would be like really excited about and it would be, you know, gaining popularity and things like that. So I kind of wonder if there's like part of it where Paul is like, people are going to know that you're God's people because you are going to be unmoved by those changes in belief and culture. And like, there's the verse that talks about um, like a tree that's deeply rooted by the water that's not you know thrashed about by uh the waves or the turning of tides and things like that and i think that that's kind of what paul is getting to like we're going to be these people who are deeply rooted in faith um Mm. who who won't be you know tossed and turned by uh whatever is whatever is popular and i think even now like those changes seem to be even faster yeah uh and like the turnaround's pretty quick on those. And instead I feel like it's like, no, like 
look back to scripture, look back to what you know. And like, we can do that now pretty easily, but for like, you know, the people that Paul is writing to in, in Galatia, like, I just feel like that was like a, I don't know, kind of a different message. Yeah. That's a good idea. To, it's a good instinct to kind of like think about the uh, context for this audience that Paul is writing to. Like Galatians is the only book that Paul doesn't start with a like prolonged, warm, heartfelt mm-hmm. grieving. That's like Galatians opens and he just says like, I'm astounded that you're turning away from the gospel that I taught you. He's, he like just doesn't even warm up. He just lays into them from like the first page of, of this letter because uh, they were Jews who had converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then when the persecution came, they tried to kind of like basically rejoin Judaism so they could like stop getting, uh, you know, persecuted by the uh, governing authorities of the day. They're trying to like, because the Jews were not really getting persecuted because there's no political threat to the message like, oh, a king is coming. But the right. message like, oh, a new king came and we live in his kingdom now. That's that's a political threat to, you know, Roman authorities. Uh, so the mm-hmm. Jews, the, the Christians were trying to basically like remove the Christian label and go back to just being a Jewish sect. And uh, Paul was just not having that. So, yeah, like the they were lacking faithfulness. Like their convictions were trying to wane in their uh, challenges of their life. And so Paul's like imploring them to have the faith to live out what they say they believe. Yeah. And to, to stick with it, even when it seems like scary or like the right, right. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And I think that we, I think that we easily kind of dismiss that as like, I don't know. I just think we have like a disconnectedness from like what that, that threat would have felt like, but like, yes, most of us aren't living with like the fear that like the government will persecute us because of our, seize our property and put us in a boiling bowl that is like copper and lit on fire in front of like an arena of people. Yeah. We have, yeah. I never (laughs) have the fear that that's going to (laughs) happen. That's that's not on my mind. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So I think that's, that's good. It's good stuff. Okay. So where have we seen someone display faithfulness well this could be maybe a personal story this could be a pop culture reference maybe it's a biblical story when we think of beacons of faithfulness what do we think of i was thinking about how uh, we talk a lot about abraham as kind of a hallmark of faithfulness but how a large part of his story actually involves a lot of unfaithfulness (laughs) (laughs) in a lot of facets Um, but I think that he gets the Sunday school edit of like (laughs) great father of our faith who never even one day even thought about making a mistake and then he was so (laughs) old and then he just laid down and died and went to be with the lord uh and i feel like it's interesting to me that we feel like we need people like that to think about and talk about as though if we consider the whole context of his life we can't still be impacted by the faithfulness that he does show. Right. Like, I just think like two things can be true and we don't like that. And we would like it to just be this story of this nice old man who left his town to set off and create a new nation with his wife. Mm -hmm. And he was just so faithful and he never did anything wrong. And like I said, then he just died one night and went to be with the Lord and all was well, but it's just like, that's just not the whole story. And I can't get into the whole story of Abraham because um, I don't feel like we have time for that. But mm-hmm. in the in the abridged version, it involves him uh, uh, when his wife. I mean, let's yeah, not so, selling, let's not selling uh, his wife out. Yeah, let's not <laughs> let's not uh, discount her uh, part in this narrative either. Uh, so it involves uh, yeah selling his wife out. Uh, basically being like, no, not me. Take her. What? Like, talk about <laughs> faithfulness. Can you imagine if you and Lauren were 
Oh. <laughs> in a similar situation, you were like, nope, not me. Take her. It's that woman over there. Tom would be dead. Yes. <laughs> I just can't imagine. Okay, so that happens. It's bad. Then, fast forward, his wife is getting nervous that she's not uh, bearing an heir. So, uh, she concocts a plan for him to sleep with uh, a um, a concubine. A foreign slave. Yeah, okay. So, he sleeps with her. She gets knocked up, has a kid. Then he uh, uh, is, like, complicit while they are like, basically banished and uh, live separate. And he's fine with all that. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, the story is, uh, even though it's complicated, does, you know, result in him showing a good bit of faithfulness. But I just wonder, like, I don't know, like. Is, is that the model? Yeah. Is that the is this the best we can do? <laughs> I should I should hope that I'm more faithful than that. Like I, yeah, I should hope that me as a person never does those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I but guess I mean, Maybe you think it's about the... any oh. <laughs> go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. My thought wasn't fully formed. Go ahead. I I just think like every good hero in any story is faithful that you know harry potter everyone like it's just like basically the three of them off on their own at one point in the story and then they are they don't like lay down and die they don't give up they they are resolved to keep going strongly in the same direction and even if they're alone even if they're outnumbered have no hope of winning they're going to keep going that's that's any good hero story Mm -hmm. that's true So can we think of good examples of faithfulness? <laughs> so many, actually. Oh, good. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to choose to just shout out my whole support team on this one. But I would like to share um, specifically one of my supporters, um, Dennis and Sheila Chung. Every time I send out a prayer update, like, Sheila is so sweet and always replies um, to my email and like lets me know like we're praying for you, like whatever the request is. Like she is one of the people that have been on my team since like the very beginning in like late sixteen, early seventeen, and like her and her husband are just like some of the most faithful prayer warriors that I know, and they're really great and encouraging. I love talking with them. And just like they're they're people I know that are faithful to to pray when I ask for prayer. Um, my whole support team is like that, and it's great. Um, someone, another example of faithfulness that isn't me, maybe kissing up to my support team. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, is I think uh, Matt O is a good example of this. Mm. I remember just like first coming to Toledo and Matt was very, he, 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 he wasn't always natural at administrative tasks, but um, Matt was very intentional and very faithful to make sure like both Sarah and I, when we came to Toledo, like had the best possible support and best possible means to succeed in whatever way that may look, whether that was, with our job stuff and like having management with time cards and all this other stuff. But more than that, just like checking in and seeing how we're doing, taking the time to pray with us. Um, And yeah, just like Matto is a really good example of someone who is faithful. And I think part of that faithfulness too is also just admitting when he's not very faithful, like Matto is very transparent when he doesn't do something well. And he is not ashamed and does not fear saying that. He owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think shows to faithfulness and character with wanting that consistency, wanting that desire, uh, wanting that closeness with God and wanting uh, that closeness and community. And yeah, Maddo is a, is a super faithful man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
for sure. Well, I think that goes into kind of what we were even talking about with Abraham before. Like, I think sometimes we want faithfulness to be kind of a zero-sum game. You're either faithful or you are not. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a lot of things. It's just more complicated than that. Like, even in even in relationship to each other, like, I think that, you know, Tom said earlier, like, you know, it's not that high of a bar to just, like, not cheat on your significant other. And that's right. certainly true. But I think, like, if it is that black and white, but oftentimes what gets us in trouble is, like, all of the gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think even in terms of, like, you know, saying, like, uh, Meadow certainly displays faithfulness, although not perfectly. Uh, and Abraham, you know, displayed perfect or faithfulness, although not perfectly. Like, what do we think are some of the things that uh, make faithfulness maybe challenging to um to like prioritize or maybe uh like show or um i mean this series is called cultivate we're trying to cultivate faithfulness but what makes that challenging Hmm. i mean the simple answer is we're all broken sinful people um but i feel like for me faithfulness is hard at times because I think we're just easily distracted. Um, I know I'm easily distracted. I know there are like, I can start a list of things to do for my day, but then something can just completely throw a wrench in the plan. And then it feels like a dash to get other things done or you're like, Oh man, I procrastinate. I have to get this thing done uh, by this time or it won't happen. And like, the list just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. I feel like when we fall into that cycle and I, I think um, being easily distracted, whether it's life circumstances being thrown at us or even just simply like in our free moments, instead of uh, choosing to lean into more helpful or more useful things to us, we tend to just want to shut off and disengage instead of just engaging in a different way. Mm. Yeah, one one thing I like would love to change about the church. The church is so good at so many things, but there is just this expected like certainty that if you are in ministry or even if you've been a Christian for a, any 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 nebulous amount of time, it's like longer than like two years. If you've been a Christian for like a little while, they just like are fully convinced about everything and there's a lot of like tribalism too, where if you aren't convinced about one aspect, you're like put in like a second tier of Christian. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're like looked down upon like, Oh, that person's, they've been following Jesus for a long time, but they don't believe this one thing. Are they, mm-hmm. they still do this one thing. It's like there's, there's this like um, expectation that you are fully convinced all the time. And I think like that, that really makes it a not, sometimes in some circles a challenging place to process uh doubts and uh maybe things that you like disagree with or things that you have a hard time believing um and that makes it hard to cultivate faithfulness that you're like trying to stifle the i don't know the aspects that you are challenged by yeah like that good yeah i just think that those that that push to be convinced wholly all the time locks us into like really rigid beliefs and um even actions like that don't allow for things like the messiness of sin or the complicated circumstances or you know relational things to that those things require flexibility and it can't always fit into those perfect rigid lines that we can get like kind of locked into. And I think that we underestimate how difficult the, the work of believing is like, I think that when we feel those, those feelings or we think like, Oh, I just don't know if I'm a hundred percent convinced in, you know, this area or about this thing or like, even about the the whole shebang sometimes like you know you look around and you think like oh boy like what what what's happening like what if i'm just like <laughs> what if i've just been like duped this whole time 
And I think that like when we feel those feelings, we immediately think it's a sign that something's wrong and that we've done something wrong. But instead, like that's the work. The work is to believe. And yeah. uh, there's, you know, the story of the the man who wants Jesus to come heal his child. And he says, like, like uh, G- Jesus says, like, don't you believe? And he says, like, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Right. Like, I, I want you to be who you say that you are. Like, I want you to be able to do the thing that you're saying that you can do. Help, like, the areas where I, I don't believe that right now. Like, and I think that we are so afraid to have that conversation sometimes with right. God and with each other a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think like that right there is what makes faith one us challenging to cultivate because the cultivate faithfulness you have to shine a light on the parts of your life where faithfulness does not exist so that you can strengthen each other like in our community that's what we should expect to do is to like help prop each other up mm-hmm. and it's scary to shine a light on the parts of your life that you don't have certainty in yeah it's vulnerable too because you like you're making yourself kind of exposed to either the person you're sharing with or like even like i said like the lord himself like that doesn't always feel comfy and safe right yeah i also think it's i feel like being vulnerable has become harder for most people recently i think a large part of that is just because people have been out of community or out of consistent like face-to-face interactions with people over quarantine in the course of the pandemic um like there's a there's a book that I read the summer I went out to LT. Um, it's called Creating Community. It's written by Andy Stanley. Um, and there's a section in there where he talks about things not being so good. And he talks about how isolation um, just throws off our sense of our reality, where like small decisions become much bigger things can seem much worse than they actually are or much better than they actually are. And like, it takes like people that we can trust. It takes like community in order to point us back to like what is true, like the true North. Um, Mm -hmm. It takes people being, it takes being vulnerable with people. Um, And Tom, like you said, to like have that light shine, but also like encourage each other and push each other and like help make those small and large decisions uh, those big and small changes uh, to understand that. So, yeah. Well, and I think too, I think that we, I think, yeah, that, that vulnerability does feel scarier because we've been isolated, but I also think that we have kind of like a skewed vision of what vulnerability is to begin with sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I think that it's very encouraged to be a version of vulnerable on social media or with different things, but it's like a curated vulnerability where like, <laughs> that's a good word. I'll show these things and I'll like, I'll kind of cop to these things that I know. So then you can't say anything about them because I've already talked about it. Yeah, it's like it's like you maintain the control over just about just what you're willing to be vulnerable about and in what way and what you're willing to say about it. Yeah. And so you have like the appearance of vulnerability is almost like a defense for truly being vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. It's like a it's a vulnerable facade, but doesn't yes. actually address the the plunge into the, the deep depths of the of where the real conflicts lie. Yes, yes, because it keeps you safe from having to feel that uncomfy feeling of being exposed. Plus, no one's going to come on your social media and then, uh, you know, ask you some deep question to probe what you just shared. Like, it's... Yes, yeah, I exactly. mean, ideally, hopefully, it's a starting point for conversations for people closer in your life, but, you know, there's never any impetus to get that going. Yeah, how often does that actually happen? I, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I would hope that those people are also sharing with people who know them really well and you know know things about their life and can like dig into that but i think that we have like an illusion that we have that without actually having it yeah and that is that's really sad because i think it's it's keeping us from actually doing the thing that we want to do 
is like encourage each other you know in being faithful like to like I think that's what helps in the long haul is that knowing that we don't have to do it alone knowing that like we get to come alongside other people and do it together and work uh like do God's work alongside one another Mm. and yeah it just oh sometimes I just get overwhelmed I think it's so it seems so bad (laughs) all right so we've kind of hit on a lot of this but what are ways that we can you know we've talked about how cultivate means to protect to encourage or to pursue what are ways that we can cultivate faithfulness today what are steps that people could take today to cultivate this kind of faithfulness that we've been discussing. Hmm. I think one way is taking some time to just stop and reflect on how like God has been faithful to you, how different people in your life have been faithful to you. Um, I keep going back to like the Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12. Hmm. We're like, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, like we should be bolstered in our faith. We should be bolstered in our faithfulness. Um, Like, again, that community aspect coming around and pushing you forward. But I think taking the time to stop and be reminded of how God has been faithful to you personally uh, in good times and in hard times is something that we can do to just, you know, protect and encourage uh, faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to look different for different people. For, for me, I need to constantly expose myself to ideas that I partially agree with and partially disagree with. Mm. So I've been super into podcasts lately. Uh, there's one I, I don't endorse as a general content, but it's been good for me in, in my uh, faith journey to listen to at least sometimes. It's called Almost Heretical. I'd say mm. I agree with like 40%, maybe like, 50% sometimes of it. So they have a lot of critiques of the church. They've been, uh, the guys who run the podcast have been uh, kind of hurt by organized church and uh, it wasn't a safe place for them to discuss their doubts. And mm-hmm. so uh, their story is a lot different than, than mine is, but uh, mm-hmm. it's good for me to expose myself to some of their challenges because where they respond one way, I respond a different way. So I think like, just exposing myself to, uh, yeah, just different challenging ideas has been helpful for me. And obviously to do that in um, community is absolutely essential that you're not just ruminating on all these challenges on your own, but like conversing with people who you respect and love and admire who are walking with Jesus as well. Um, There's no other way to unpack your challenges than with other people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It makes me think of your teaching a couple weeks ago about, like, why do we need other Christians? Like, we absolutely will not grow in faithfulness if we do not have other Christians. Like, we cannot do it alone. People have tried, and they have failed. Yeah, I actually think that one of two things will happen. Either you'll just get totally burned out and run away completely from your faith. They'll just drop everything and, and leave it. Or you'll get completely stuck where you're at and you'll stay exactly the same so you'll either abandon or stick to with with or without good reason it's like you'll you're gonna get stuck one way or the other you're gonna get stuck alone or you're gonna get stuck uh believe what you've always believed doing what you're always doing thinking what you're always thinking Mm. unless you have community Mm -hmm. yeah that's really good i think that I think I've said this a couple other times in thinking about how we can cultivate these different virtues, but I think part of it is like, um, stop wasting time trying to convince yourself to feel a different way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, uh, I just think that there's sometimes where we just have to accept that that is, that is the current feeling. It is a feeling. Feelings are not facts. And, uh, eventually we will feel differently. And I think that there's a lot of times where instead we need to like act our way into, into believing something. 
So it's like, um, I don't know, like, I think that there's just times where sometimes our feelings have to follow behind what we what we can kind of stake our claim in to what is like true and good. And we just have to like right. follow those things. And when we can't come up with those things on our own, that's when we have those people in our lives who can point to those things for us. Right. And yeah. uh, I just think that like we spend a lot of time trying to convince ourselves that we should feel a different way when that's the way we feel. It's okay. God's not disappointed. He's not shocked. Uh, he's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they're having doubts. Uh, he knows us very well. Uh, and I think that instead we just need to kind of, you know, carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not to say that it's easy. I think it is challenging, but I think that's the, that's the ticket. All right, Tom, are you ready for the most important question of the evening? Wait, wait, I have, I have a concluding thought before the most important question of the evening. Oh, please, please. So, the question that you skipped over was on a scale of one to ten, how easy is faithfulness for you? Oh, and yeah. I, I, I think like what my my own personal story goes a lot with what you were just saying there, um, where I uh, have gone through seasons of my life where faithfulness has been very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I have decided when I look at the message of the gospel and the message of the Bible, it's a good message. And you can talk about you know the extermination of the Canaanites you can get right up about some of the things that are in it but it's a good message that God made us to rule and reign with him in his way and his way is equitable it's just and it works for all people and that's that's a reality worth pursuing so I think I've gone through some ups and downs in my in my faithfulness so I'd go from a three to a six but I'd say like at this point right now I have just elected like you said you didn't use the terminology to like fake it until you make it. I think I yeah. did that for a while. And I feel like I, I hesitate to say this, but I feel like I have made it where I've just decided the church might, might have things that I don't like about it. And I might not fit in all places where I do ministry or all the circles that I run in. Mm-hmm. And maybe I have tendencies that lean away from evangelicalism and more toward like the tradition movement, or there could be, I can list a bunch of reasons why I don't feel at home mm-hmm. sometimes in my own tradition, or I feel like my faith is not the same as the people around me in, in some ways. But uh, at the end of the day, I just decided that the message of people I'm around who are trying to live it out uh, is, is good news. So I'd say like now like eight and a half. But I've, I've been on the swing set and maybe I'm at like an all-time high currently and what I would evaluate my own faithfulness. Maybe someday I'll look back on this moment and be like, "Oh, that was stupid for me to say that." But <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, feel like, you might. like, but that's the thing. Like, we have to get more and more comfortable with the flexibility of that. You know, like, yeah. you know, it's it is a it's a sliding scale. It's I don't think we're we're not meant to be a fixed point. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not I built. Like I, I had just been I had been stuck in a season of discontentment in my Enneagram One reformerness, just discontent. Mm-hmm with the state of the church and the how injustice. I, how I felt that the church did not match the Bible vision for what God wanted the church to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt like I didn't, you know, I don't want to be a, a part of that at some points. I felt like maybe I don't even belong here. Um, but I, I just think that I, I did fake it a little bit un- until I've just come back around to realize that the church is the bride of Christ. And mm. she's got some moles and, you know, but she's Jesus's bride. Like we are the bride of Christ. As ugly as the church is, uh, God loves us anyway. And he wants to stay married to us. So uh, yeah. here we are. So I feel like that, that, that sometimes is faith. You just take it till you make it. Yes. Buckle down. Keep, keep going. Long obedience and direction. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Okay, so now. Now, the... you're ready for the most <laughs> important question of the evening. Yeah. What is the best fruit? What is the worst fruit? Okay, the best fruit is a 
ripe pineapple from near the source. When I was a sophomore high school into Hawaii, right. went to a dole plantation. I had a pineapple on a on a beach that was like picked like an hour before that. And it to this day is the best fruit I've ever eaten. That's a very so, good I think that's the best fruit is a pineapple. I I gotta think about the worst fruit. Give me a second. Matt also said pineapple was the best. Pineapple, a good, a good ripe pineapple. I think Kaylin also said. Kaylin also said pineapple. Kaylin. Okay. Not not all pineapples are good. Like, not it's not universal, but pineapple has the highest upside. I think that pineapple is also kind of hard to ruin. Like. Uh, even canned pineapple, pretty good. That's true. Yeah, e- edible. Yeah. I I'm a big fruit fan. I'm not sure that I I had a fruit I didn't like. Maybe like tomato. Does that count? Ian or uh, Alex like- said that tomato is the worst fruit, but the best vegetable. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best vegetable. I like tomato if you dress it up, but I cannot eat. I've for, tried to force myself. I grow them all every summer. I love I love growing them, but I cannot force myself to eat them straight up. So I have to say pineapple is the worst fruit. Wait, but tomato. Although, tomato. Yeah, sorry. Tomato is the worst fruit. Pineapple is the best fruit. Your best your worst? No, no. Pineapple is the best fruit. Tomato is the worst fruit. All right. So it is written. So, so it, it is written. <laughs> All right, Ian, take us out. All right. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us again. Pleasure to be here. Always fun, and I always enjoy talking with you. And if you're still listening, thank you for listening to us this week. Again, remember to leave us a like or review wherever you're listening from. Where we can follow us on all the social medias at H2O Toledo or H2O Church at the University of Toledo. We are also on TikTok now, if you didn't know. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or puns that you would like to share with us, remember to email us at lovepodloverockets at gmail.com. And we hope that you are encouraged in your faith. Um, Keep going. You know, allow the assurance of the things that you hope for and the conviction of the things not seen uh, bolster you. Like, Mm. keep that consistency. Hold on to what is true. And even if it's hard, you know, take that first step. Ask to talk to someone that you trust when you need to be vulnerable. And as you do it more, it does become easier. So mm-hmm. for joining us and we'll see you next time for another episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.